Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 45, The Big Move. Last Saturday, after spending the whole day madly unpacking and cooking the first meal I ever cooked in our new house, I said to my family, I'm so glad this isn't a podcast weekend. It's not that I didn't want to tell you about the move or how lovely our new house is. It certainly isn't that there was nothing to tell. It was simply that I had no idea where to begin and no time to sit down and think about where to start. I've had a few days now, as the real hard push to get things unpacked eased off around Thursday, but I'll get to that in a minute. The respite has given me some time to reflect on the big move, and everything that's happened in the last two weeks, which, to be honest, seems like at least a month, with how many events and how much work we managed to cram into them. And this is what I've come up with by way of beginning my story. If something can't go smoothly or as planned it should at least make an interesting and gripping tale. Possession last Tuesday went smoothly, and I unpacked everything from the Airbnb rental and made two trips to the storage unit before I called it a day, and Mike and I ate dinner on the living room floor with a new bed sheet as a picnic blanket and a storage crate as a table for our takeout, then camped out in our new bedroom on foamy mattresses that our Airbnb host had loaned us so we wouldn't have to sleep on the floor. He was off to work at 5am the next morning, and I got up to do some dishes that needed doing after having been in storage, and to prepare for the movers to come. And that, that was about the time that things started to go sideways. It had stopped raining and snowing, but that had left this still-under-construction neighborhood a nasty, sticky, clay-mud mess. And it was at this point, at 7.30 in the morning, that our doorbell rang. Our builder, who is responsible for building this entire block, builds their houses in an interesting way. They build all the exterior pieces in a manufacturing facility on the edge of town, then truck all the pieces in and put up the house on the foundation in a single day. It's fascinating and efficient, and the person at my door was wondering if that was my vehicle parked out front, as they were going to be lifting the house next door today and needed to bring the crane in. I said it was and that I would move it, but that I had movers coming at 9am, and would that be a problem? No, no, he assured me, and I moved my car and went back to doing dishes. I heard them begin work next door, and about a quarter after eight, when I'd finished doing dishes, I went to what would become my library and looked out the window. I could not fathom how the big trailer full of house parts parked in front of our house, from one edge of our property to the other, constituted not a problem. I suppose the people building the house next door didn't see it as a problem for them, but it certainly was a problem for me. What followed for the rest of that day was something that will probably take me most of a year to begin to see as a comedy of errors. Phone calls to the builder with everyone I spoke with passing the buck to someone else. The movers trying desperately to think of a way to deliver our belongings, but having to give up because of the mud and the big trailer. 
them managing to put a few things in our garage and bringing in our mattresses so we would have something to sleep on, them saying that they couldn't come back and move us in before Friday, Mike coming home from work early to deal with a builder when I emotionally couldn't handle it anymore, my dad arriving, commiserating, and taking charge to build our new bed frame so at least one thing could go right. Mike telling me we were almost out of cellular data and to not use anymore. The Culligan technician saying the same thing as the movers and rescheduling for Friday. The Telus technician saying the same thing as the Culligan technician, but Mike convincing him to come back at the end of his shift so at least we could get internet that day. Pods calling and telling me that we needed to pay our bill or our delivery in the morning would be cancelled. Then their Canadian website going down and making it impossible for me to log in and pay it. By the end of the day Wednesday, I was physically and emotionally shot, and had to accept that my carefully scheduled move-in plan, through one event totally outside of my control, was completely out the window. The next week was basically spent making things up on the fly. The contents of the pod moved in, but there was no furniture to unpack it on, so it had to be carefully and strategically moved to places where it would be out of the way of the movers. We sat on two office chairs and a piece of our sectional for two days, and went out for dinner each night since we still had no kitchenware. The running joke Wednesday and Thursday was, oh, we've got that, but it's with the movers. We lamented the lack of corkscrew until I remembered that I still had my Swiss Army knife in the boxes brought from the storage unit. My mom and my sister arrived from Calgary about half an hour before the movers were finished bringing our things in on Friday, and between the five of us pushing hard very hard. Through the weekend, we got most of the house unpacked and most of the rooms in livable condition, even if the books aren't sorted and our clothes are just hung up and piled on the shelves in the closet, and my yarn is just stuffed into storage bins. I broke my dad again. It seems every time he comes up to help us with something, he ends up broken. But by the time he left on Tuesday, most of the furniture was in place and the garage floor had a beautiful epoxy coating on it, and he went home to some much-needed R&R. And we had to delay picking up our new cat, Stella, who was being fostered at the Airbnb place, and who we just fell in love with, by a couple of days. We're now coming up on two weeks in the new house, and our builder's timing remains impeccable. We still have no blinds, and likely won't get them until Mike is back on days at the beginning of October. They also are finally ready to pour the walkway between our garage and the house, but of course blocked off our access the day we wanted to move all the things stored on our deck into the garage. The forecast turns ugly in two days, and we still have boxes and a workbench under a tarp on our deck, and boxes of tools in our back entranceway, but again, circumstances outside my control dictate that that is where they will stay. Until we get the garage organized, the two main things I have left to work on, the front and back hall closets, will have to remain on my to-do list. But if that's all that's left, besides a couple of closets I really just don't want to think about right now, less than two weeks after possession, then I think that's actually pretty good. Speaking for myself, I couldn't have done it without my family's support. Mom, Dad, Sheila, and of course Mike, who together all threw me life preservers of strength, determination, and love, and made me feel less like I was drowning and more like I could actually make it through the big move without losing my mind. I am forever grateful for my family, and I wish there was a way to express it adequately in words. 
So the big move is behind us. I never, ever want to do another big move again. But at least it made for an interesting story. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. You may find the podcast a little more echoey for the next little while. I'm set up in the new Fibertorium, hardwood floor, nothing on the walls. I think I need to prioritize work on my master spinner level wall hangings just to get a bit of fabric around here to absorb all of the sound. But before I get into uh, all the stuff about the master spinner, the house is awesome. I mean, it really is. Now that the move is behind us and we're mostly unpacked and we have the cat, it's okay. You know, it's really good. My fibratorium is fantastic. It's got room for all of my fiber things. There was a bit of a fun um, getting the one uh, IKEA Calax unit into the closet. We managed it. It was fascinating and interesting. And between dad and Mike and I, we managed to do it, but, uh, but it fits everything. And, and I mean, I'm, it's not a hundred percent organized yet, but, uh, but everything is in here and it's, it's good. The blinds probably will also help with the echoing, but, uh, again, we won't have those probably until October. I, I, the, it was a little stressful. Let's just put it that way. Anyway, by Thursday, there wasn't much left for me to do that could easily be done until the garage was, everything was in the garage. So I was actually able to sit down on Thursday and work on homework. Now, before we moved out of the Airbnb suite, I had, I had spun up my 12 twists per inch skein and, uh, and plied it, but I left it on the bobbin figured that was the easiest. And, you know, if everything had gone smoothly, I would have taken it off probably at the end of the weekend, but naturally, because I should have known nothing was going to go smoothly. It's okay. I got to let it go. Anyhow, Thursday, I pulled that off and tossed it in the wash. And, uh, and it actually worked out to mostly 12 TPI by the time it dried close enough to 12 TPI that I put it in my book. Now, I have to spin an, another skein of silk, two-ply silk. So I'm going to try again. Hopefully get something that's a little closer to 12 TPI or more consistently 12 TPI. And then if that's the case, I'll put that in my book. And if it's not the case, it'll go in the two-ply silk and I'm just going to call it a day. So Thursday I sat down and I kind of crashed that day a little bit. But, you know, I wanted to work on my homework. So I sat down and the first thing I did was my silk four sweater because I only ended up with 16 yards of that by the end, the thick silk for a sweater. So I'm like, I got to figure out if I have enough for my 10 yards gain and also the swatch. So I wound off the 10 yards gain, put it in my book. And then I was like, well, okay, I have my needles back, all of them. I'll knit the swatch. So I did. And I knit until I ran out of yarn and it was small, but I'm like, I think I can block it. 
very, very severely to be three inches by three inches. And then since I was sitting there doing that, I'm like, well, I'll just do my swatch for the summer top too. Why not? I'm in a swatch kind of mood. That's where my brain's at. And so I did. I knit up the the swatch for the summer top. Oh, wow. That yarn. I love that yarn. I would so wear a summer top out of that yarn. That's the cotton, the green cotton, two plies of 100% green cotton and one ply of 80% green cotton and 20% blue sari silk. It's beautiful. Just perfect. And then since I was working on stuff and I had all the stuff in the house, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go looking for my small embroidery hoop so that I can do my embroidery swatch. Well, I don't know where my embroidery hoop is. It certainly wasn't where I thought it would be. So I had to just sort of carefully, without bunching up the fabric, do my embroidery swatch without an embroidery hoop. And so I did variations on chain stitch um, as embroidery, embroidery stitch and, uh, did four different types and just in a line and you know, it, it looks actually pretty good. So, so I'm pretty pleased with that. And the coverage of the silk yarn was great. So that at least worked out for me as well. Then I washed those. I also washed my woven silk swatch and my outerwear swatch, pinned those out. The cat then decided you to help me with my homework and, you know, rubbed her face all over the outerwear swatch and I this is I haven't had a cat since I was five years old so this is all new to me anyway she's fascinated by string it's not gonna make doing homework easy but uh but you know they ended up you know washed and and dried and they all worked out so the next day I wove in all the ends and they're now in my workbook so that basically takes care of all the samples except for the one I have yet to spin And so then I went out onto our front veranda. I love that we have a veranda, by the way. I think that's awesome. And, uh, and did up the, uh, or carded up my blend for my wool blend. Now what I decided to do, I just basically opened up my closet and took a look at all of my raw fleece and went, okay, well, what am I going to blend and why? And so I was digging through and I found the quote unquote Suffolk. Now this was from my level one uh, breeds book. It came to us out of the fleece auction of Suffolk. Um, when I researched Suffolk and to, to do a little breed study, it totally is not Suffolk. It's not anywhere near the type of yarn or the type of fleece it should be if it was Suffolk. I don't know what it is. But anyway, it's not a bad yarn. It's really, really dirty and it's really quite coarse and wiry. And I mean, I I went back into my level one book and and read what I'd written about it. And it said, you know, it's, it's, it's dirty and it's wiry, but I'll still spin it because it's nice to spin. Well, I never have. And I was like, well, the reason I've never spun it is because I have no idea what I would make out of the yarn made out of this. It's, it's not, you know, it's not wearable next to the skin. It's not really nice for anything that I normally make. So I thought, well, okay, so I've got this fleece that I'm not doing anything with, and I probably won't. Maybe I should try and blend it with something to make a yarn that's actually usable. So then I went and into my medium, uh, my medium fleeces, and I found a uh, Corydale that we got in level two. 
I'm like, okay, well, I'll do a 50% blend of this not Suffolk and Corydale and see what comes of it because Corydale is wearable. So I went out onto the veranda because this not Suffolk is really, really dirty. And I carded up um, some, I just blended it uh, three times through the cards. And then I rolled each bat um, crossways so that it was a semi-worsted preparation. Brought all that back in and sat down and I started to spin it. And I wasn't 100% sure how it was turning out. I didn't know if it was going to be even enough to go in my workbook. So after I'd spun up, I think, two or three of these little sausages or slivers or whatever the current terminology is, I stopped and I and I undined it off and plied it on itself. Just to see, because I still had lots of little blends left. And you know what? It, it actually was okay. It was... It was decently even, decently blended, and and it actually seemed to work. However, it was just shy of 10 yards, <laughs> so I couldn't use it in my workbook. So I'm like, okay, but that was enough for me that day. So I packed it all away because of the cat and left it for the next day. So then Friday, I spun up enough for my workbook and... Uh, what else did I spin up that day? Oh yes, I remember. So I spun it up and then and then fri- Friday was the day we had people come anyway. Everything is running together and I'm still really tired. Okay, so I spun it up. And then I got to thinking, we have in this new house hot water on demand. And when we did our our new home inspection or new home orientation, the week before possession, I asked the the site supervisor about the temperature. It was set to 120 Fahrenheit. And I said, can we up that? He said, well, I wouldn't recommend it because then you'll get scalded. So I was thinking about this as I was sitting here spinning this Corydale, not Suffolk blend, and the Corydale still had a lot of lanolin in it. I'm like, if I'm going to get this clean, I have to have water that's at least 165 Fahrenheit. I don't know what that is in Celsius. I just remember the 165 is the melting point for lanolin. And our hot water tank is only going to produce water that's 120 degrees Fahrenheit. So there's no way I'm going to get this clean from tap water. So I thought about this as I was spinning and as I was plying. And and then I thought, well, okay, I'm just going to have to go down and boil some water in a kettle (laughs) to wash this skein of yarn oh there's a train ambient noise so I did we have a variable temperature kettle for different types of tea and the green tea setting is 175 degrees Fahrenheit so I'm like well that will certainly melt lanolin so I went downstairs with one of my dyeing pots put it on a on a little cork pot holder boiled a liter of water put it in with some dawn threw the skeins in, set it for 10 minutes so it wouldn't cool too much. When uh, when the 10-minute timer went, boiled some more water, then took the skeins out, poured out the soapy water, poured the new water in, and put the skeins into rinse. And it came out clean. It came out clean. It wasn't sticky anymore. So <laughs> that's going to make washing raw fleece for me really difficult. 
And I have to think about that. I'm, I'm quite glad that I've washed most of my fleece before we came to the new house. I don't know quite what I'm going to do if I end up with a whole fleece later on. Anyway, neither here nor there. After that was washed and hanging to dry, I'm like, well, what else have I got left on my list of things to do? And uh, I had to do my tackly skein of cotton. And I had actually planned to do that, you know, in my downtime when the movers were here and things like that. No downtime. So I sat with my tackly and I can spin cotton on a tackly. You know, I can. It works. It's not 100% even. That's going to take some practice. But I can spin cotton on a tackly. So I spun up a whole bunch. I spun up what I thought would be pretty close to like 22 yards. And then I wound off about half onto a knitting needle, the other half onto a knitting needle as well. And then using the instructions for creating a plying ball on your spindle from uh, Lana Cunningham's book. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Her supported spindling book. I created a plying ball on the spindle and then plied off of the spindle. Now, I wouldn't necessarily do it again, especially off of a tackly with yarn that, that that's that thin, because no matter how much I tried to control it, the strands kept coming apart. So they weren't under as much tension as I would have liked. And so I'd like to try it a different way, maybe next time, but I'm at the point now with my homework that I just have to put in what I've got. Anyway, it worked out to just over 10 yards, so I've I washed that and put it in my book. It was a little overplied, so I ran it quickly through the wheel this morning and just to take out that bit of extra ply and it, now it balances. So, that's quite a lot done on my homework, all facts considering. So when I look at my list of what I've got left in level 3, I've got my my arch nemesis cotton I've got left. I have to do a two-ply cotton, cotton for warp, and a baby outfit, which Marg recommended we do out of cotton. <sighs> and I'm not 100% sure what to do there. I'm, I'm Obviously, I'm going to have to sit down and just spin the cotton, but um, I've got three, three skeins left of cotton. I also have to do a two-ply silk, so I'm like I said, I'm going to try and recreate the 12 TPI one, hopefully get a little more even, and then I can move the 12 TPI skein that I have down into two-ply silk. I also have to do my two and three-ply commercial yarn reproductions. Hopefully that will go okay. We will have to see. And my 50-hour final project. So that's what I've got left for level three. Now it's the 21st of September. I have until October 31st. By no stretch of the imagination can I slack off. And, you know, I really have to keep pushing on it as much as I possibly can. But it's doable. It's still doable. So we'll see. I'll start with the cotton. I should probably start with the cotton just to see if I can figure out a way to spin it that's going to make it do what I want it to. I mean, the, the good news at this point is that I don't have to spin to TPI with this, with the cotton anymore. I'm done my TPI skeins. I'm going to try and recreate the 12 TPI in silk and then go, go from there. 
but it's still doable. So, so we'll see. So all told, not doing too badly. Oh, and brain finding things. I actually possibly came up with an idea for my level six in-depth study. Now I'm going to kind of keep it to myself for the moment, but I have, I have an idea. I need to figure out kind of a thesis, but I know what it is I want to do. And we'll see. I'll, I'm going to do some thinking about it. We are heading into level five next year. And that's when we set our, you know, our level six project. That's when we can reserve the topic. So, you know, I'm going to take a look at what's, what's there, see if anything comes close. And if it doesn't, I'm going to try and come up with a thesis and, and submit that. So, so yeah, you know, with everything that's happened in the last two weeks, I've actually gotten a lot done. Now I go back to work on Monday, unfortunately. And, uh, I hope that mid October, I'm at the point with my final project that I'm weaving because I am, I I have to be out of the house for a a big work thing for three days, three, four nights, four nights in a hotel in downtown Edmonton. So if I'm ready with my final project on the weaving, I can probably get it done in the evenings while I'm away. So that's going to probably, I'm going to try and focus on that as well. It means that the yarn needs to be spun and well, I need to plan the project, the yarn needs to be spun, the yarn needs to be dyed, and probably the loom already has to be warped before I head down to the hotel. So I'm going to have to make a, basically I'm going to have to make myself a schedule and stick to it. So that's where I'm at with, uh, with Master Spinner. We'll see, two weeks, <laughs> depending on what happens with the stuff on the deck. Um, we, I should know. Um, there'll be more to talk about in a couple of weeks. Fiber notes. Well, as much as I got done on my homework, the knitting, not so much. I mean, obviously... I didn't have a chance to find a silk cowl pattern for the bulky silk yarn that I got. Obviously, there was not a lot of time for much of anything else during the move. But uh, but I did manage to get a little bit of work done on the Star Maiden shawl. I'd gotten to the border and I was knitting along on the border here and there and and all of that. And it was Friday night. I'd been working on it, and I got to within a few stitches of the, the center. And I looked at the pattern, and I looked at this, what I had left, and it didn't match. There was something wrong. And I'm like, well, this is weird. I know I had the right stitch count before I started the border. So what went wrong? So the first thing I did was I double-checked the designer's math, just in case. I also checked on Ravelry. No one else had any problems with it. So I'm like, okay, I must have made an error. So I looked through, and I hadn't forgotten any of the the, the not 
um, lace pattern rose. And I kept looking and looking. And I found the error. It was pretty much all the way back at the beginning. I think there was maybe one and a half pattern repeats that I'd completed correctly. Then I did one row and then I repeated the previous pattern. So all the way back at the beginning. <laughs> like, and of course, I mean, it just figures, right? Like the, the way, the whole way the move went, I mean, I really probably shouldn't have been knitting <laughs> anything, even something simple. Um, but you know, I, yeah, I was a little frustrated with myself at that point, but couldn't do much about it. It was late Friday night. I put it away. I picked it up Saturday morning. I picked up all of the stitches that I knit. It turned out to be about 70 of the stitches, uh, of the shawl that had been bound off. And each one of those stitches constitutes two rows of the edge pattern. So we're talking pretty close to to 150 rows there that I had to tear back. And I picked them up and I tore it all back. And it, that worked out really well. Like it was fairly easy. And then uh and then I started knitting again. And then I realized that I was within a couple of rows of the one error that I'd made, an extra yarn over. Um at, at the beginning of the shawl. And I'm like, well, if I've torn back this far, I might as well tear back the rest of the way and fix that error. So I did. So I practically had to re-knit the border from scratch. And that's but probably about you know two weeks of off and on work that I had to redo. Now, because I was so annoyed with myself, I actually spent quite a bit of time in the last couple of days knitting on it. And I am almost back to where I was. So, I mean... That's at least a good thing. I it, it seems like I'm doing okay now. I'm constantly double-checking to make sure that I'm at the right part of the pattern. And when we get within, you know, a couple of stitches of the center, that's when the real test comes. So with any luck, by next episode, I should be done because it does go very fast. And then, uh, then we'll see. So I didn't quite have a shawl to block when I... <laughs> when I moved in. Not quite. And I had to take it back too. But, oh well. The other thing that I've done that's not homework related is uh, is I've been doing some spinning. Now, when everything kind of went haywire on Wednesday, once the movers had brought in the office chairs, I went upstairs and I grabbed my joy. And I grabbed uh, 100 grams of Corydale uh, green fiber that I had kept out from the rest of my fiber stash on the off chance that I got really far in my homework and was going to do some spinning. Now, this is the, the ply to go with the 100 grams of um, autumn dusk that I spun before. And I needed something to calm myself and keep myself from bursting into tears again. So I grabbed my joy. I grabbed the fiber. And I sat down to spin. And since last Wednesday, I've spun almost the whole 100 grams. And it's helped me kind of manage the craziness. On top of everything else, like just, you know, my family being here and and everything else that I've been doing, a bit of the knitting. And of course, the hard work that, that we've been doing 
the spinning really helped keep me centered. So that felt pretty good. And, and, you know, I, I, the, the plan that I had before was, you know, getting finished the level three homework and then having something set up on the joy, probably this, uh, this autumn dusk project just to spin, you know, even an hour here or an hour there just to spin. And if I keep that up, then at some point I will have 800 grams of yarn to do something with. Now, probably not for the next fiber week, which would be my level five fiber week, but maybe for my level six fiber week, I'll actually have it all done and maybe have something made out of it, which would be fun for the fashion show. Anyway, that's what I've done for fiber notes. Hopefully by next episode, I will have a a shawl finished and blocked, and hopefully I don't mess up again. And maybe, maybe I will have started plying my 200 grams of Corydale. By the wayside. Given all that's happened, I wouldn't blame you for expecting me to sit down in this segment and say, I didn't get anything done on the tapestry. And you would be very close to right. Last Saturday, obviously, we we were so tired, every single one of us, and there was just no way I was going to get anything done on the tapestry. And I even told my sister, I said, please apologize to Nathan that I didn't get anything done. Or maybe I just imagined that I said that. I could have just imagined that I said that. But I meant to say to my sister, please apologize to Nathan that I didn't get anything done on the tapestry on Saturday. And then last night was, you know, it it seems like we get into the evenings right now and, and there's just the things that we wanted to get done during the day that quite haven't quite happened yet. And so we're just like super busy at night. So it was the same thing last night, you know, we were were running around I started cooking dinner late, so we didn't eat till eight o'clock and on and on and on. So it was again, another Saturday night where I didn't get anything done on the tapestry, but I was determined. I was determined that I was going to get something done. So I said, I will work on it in the morning. So this morning I sat down, I got up, had my breakfast, all of that. And when I sat down for the day, I was about probably 830 in the morning. I said, okay, I'm going to give myself until 11 a.m. Or however much I can easily do that's in my frame right now, whichever comes first. And I did. And you know what it turned out? That 11 a.m. and what could easily be done in my frame came at pretty well the same time. Now, I I was working until 11.05 to get done what was in the frame. But hey, I managed to get uh, to a spot where I needed to move my frame. And that was what I wanted to get accomplished. So what was that? I got the tree that the boar is tied to finished. I got the one other divider on the right-hand side that I'd have finished. That got finished. And I've started along the rope that the boar is tied to the tree with. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot. And, you know, it doesn't feel like a lot. But as soon as I move my frame over, I'm doing the boar and I'm doing the, the man with the sword. And if I put in two weekends on that, I should be, you know, that should finish that, hopefully. 
And then all I've got is the bird eating the tree. So, you know, it's still a possibility that I'm going to get it done by Thanksgiving, which is four weeks from now. I'm not going to guarantee it, obviously, but it's still certainly a possibility. We'll just have to see how easy the bore is and how easy the rest of it is. So I'm actually quite pleased with the work I managed to get done on it today. I think it looks good. It doesn't feel like a lot, but uh, but I think it looks quite quite good. So that's uh, <laughs> that's the by the wayside update. And uh, two weeks. You know what? I'm I'm now that we're through the move and I'm going back to work. I can get back into my regular schedule, and that. Even though I'm not really looking forward to going back to work tomorrow, I am looking forward to getting back into my routine. So two more Saturdays before the next episode. We'll see how far I get. Thank you for joining me for episode 45. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode 46 on October 5th, 2014. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in lochness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.